Welcome to Career Practitioner Conversations. This podcast is presented by the National Career Development Association. This episode is hosted by Melinda Benedetto, treasurer of the New Jersey Career Development Association, and features a conversation with Paul Teeger, author of Do What You Are and an Authority on Personality Psychology and Personality Type. Good afternoon. I'm Melinda Benedetto, a member of the National Career Development Association and Certified Career Services Provider. I will introduce our guest today, Paul D. Teeger, the founder and CEO of Speed Reading People. Paul is an internationally recognized expert on and author of five breakthrough books about personality type, including The Art of Speed Reading People and the one million copy bestseller, Do What You Are. Over the past 30 years, Paul has developed innovative programs and outlined tools which help managers motivate and retain employees, salespeople close more sales, teams collaborate more productively, and people across a wide spectrum of occupations communicate more successfully. A jury consultant for 25 years, Paul pioneered the use of personality type to help trial attorneys understand and communicate with jurors and has worked on dozens of high-profile civil and criminal cases. Paul holds a BS degree in psychology and an MS in organizational behavior. Paul, welcome to the NCDA Career Practitioner Conversations podcast. I have to say, I've been a big fan of your work for many years. I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you. Thank you for being here today. You are more than welcome. (laughs) As we just highlighted, you're an expert on personality type and have written five books on different applications of personality type. Your work has been so important and impactful in our profession. So let's just get started. How did you first get involved with this work and its application in career development and planning? Um, Well, it's a it's an interesting well it's an interesting story to me. I don't know how interesting it'll be to other people. (laughs) um, I was working in college um, education and in um, uh, as assistant dean of students at a university. And um, when I decided I didn't want to do that job anymore and I was more interested in career stuff, the woman who came in to replace me as assistant dean knew about this thing called the Myers Briggs Type Indicator, and this is around 1980. So it's a long time ago. <clears throat> so I took this Myers-Briggs type indicator or MBTI, as many of your people know it. And I said, whoa, this, this is some pretty interesting stuff. Um, to make a very long story short, I just became enamored with the model, with the theory. I became a career counselor. I started experimenting on all my, um, my students. I probably did a lot of damage in those early years. Um, but uh, I learned a lot and hopefully they got some benefit of it from it as well. <clears throat> that led me to create something called the New England Type Institute, uh, for which I was of which I was the first director. And at that time, um, personality type was not being used in much in career counseling. So I developed some of the first courses for career counselors about how to use this, this great technology to help understand um, um, our clients, what their needs were, and how to best engage them and, and coach them. So that's that started my uh, career was was through education higher ed. Wow, that all sounds wonderful. Uh, so what? how is personality type assessments? How are these assessments different from other assessments career practitioners and counselors might use? Well, I, I should say that when I started this um, way back when, the, the, the prevailing wisdom was uh, there, there's three things you need to identify. Person's interests, skills, and values. 
And if you identify those, and there were a bunch of tools that did that, Holland Self-Directed Search, Strong Campbell, uh, Value of Inventory, then you would find a good match. But what I discovered really early on was that all three of those things, value, skills, and interest, <clears throat> are transient, especially in people 17, 18 years old, when we are forced to make decisions that affect our whole lives. You know, when you're 18, your values are either your parents, or if you're rebelling, then the opposite of your parents. Your interests and your skills are pretty limited to what you've, what you've experienced up to that part in your life. But what, what doesn't change is your personality type. That's what you're born with. You come out of the womb that way. Hopefully after a very long and fruitful life, and they put you in the ground, you still have that same type. So that's the only thing that doesn't change. And I think it's very powerful. So that's, that's what um, really informed um, my decision to look in that, to go in that direction. Not that those other measurements aren't important, but I don't think they're as important. And that, that's what led me to, you know, the idea of careers and type and which ultimately led to the work and uh, do to writing the book, Do What You Are. And I use Do What You Are with all my clients because I, I feel it is such a key, just like you're saying, and your work uh, um, just has uh, such an impact and is such a great tool. So I want to thank you for that. And, <laughs> and the book, I do have the most recent book, the sixth edition. Um, so really, because you're into the sixth edition, you've been, um, this book has been popular for almost 30 years. How would you say your approach and the research methods have changed over this time to keep up with the changing world of work? Well, it's interesting because the the approach really hasn't changed much. I mean, the bottom line premise is that people's personality, inborn personality types, are perhaps the the single most important um, influence on career satisfaction and success. So that stays the same. What what has changed, of course, is the fact that the world of work is very different. Um, The job search techniques are very different. The Internet has changed everything. Um, And when we started this book, there was no Internet. So... um, the world's a lot bigger now in some ways and a lot smaller in other ways. Um, so I think the research, um, our research is focused, um, especially on newer careers as we've updated this book, that, that's changed because jobs have changed. Um, but the premise really remains the same. Personality type is key. It's important to know about that. And it can really help you um, find the most fulfilling work and also um, uh uh, and, and help you in your job search to, to capitalize on your strengths and kind of minimize your blind spots. That's really so far reaching. And, and regarding the 16 personality types, just for refresher for some of our listeners, sure. as you outline in your book, the four dimensions of personality type are um, how we interact with the world and where we direct our energy. So either extroverted or introverted. Second being the kind of information we naturally notice, so either sensing or intuition. Third being how we make decisions, either thinking or feeling. And fourth being whether we prefer to live in a more structured way, making decisions, or a more spontaneous way, taking in information, so judging or perceiving. 
uh, with this quick refresher, if we could just drill down a little deeper, I'm sure our audience would love to hear an overview of what you outline as the three ingredients in the formula for career satisfaction, or as you describe in the book, the four temperaments and why temperament is the key to career satisfaction, type functions, which are the two middle letters in your personality type and the core of type, and type development. Sure. And let me just um, back up one second to say that even though everyone has a natural inborn preference for one side or the other on each of those four dimensions, extroversion or introversion, sensing or intuition, thinking or feeling, and judging or perceiving, nobody is exclusively one side. Everybody's primarily one side. <clears throat> so it's really more like handedness. Either you're born a right hand, most people are born a right hand person or a left hand person. Doesn't mean they can't use their left hand if they're righty but it means that that's their natural preference and they, when they use it, it's natural, they don't think about it um, and it takes less time and less energy and the, the uh, results are usually better. So it's important to keep in mind that, that people are primarily but not exclusively. And, and the goal really is to develop good access to both sides, not to replace or become androgynous about that, but to get good access. And I can, I can expand on that a little later, but the, the, the formula that we discovered early on was that there are three things. There's temperament, and temperament by temperament, I mean the work of a guy named David Kiersey. Um, he wrote a book called Please Understand Me many years ago. I had the pleasure of knowing David a little bit way back. Um, and temperament, without getting really into the weeds, um, describes four different kind of innate na human natures, how I describe them, of how people are. It's their, it's their core values, their key drives, <clears throat> and their preferred communication style. And in, in our books, we call them traditionalists, who are very solid, steady, eddy, dependable, reliable, follow the rules, do everything they're expected to do. And they equate to sensing, judging types. So for people who are following me with the type stuff, sensing, judging types are traditionalists. Um, and they're all really about responsibility and duty and service. And the second temperament are called experiencers, who are people who are much more um, about living in the moment, enjoying their life, taking risks, having a good time. Um, and they're equating to, equate to the sensing perceiving uh, personality dimension. So SPs or sensing perceiving types are experiencers. So they're very different cats than traditionalists, right? And then the third group are what we call conceptualizers, which are really the intuitive thinking types. And again, very different kinds of folks. They're all about success and excellence and intellectual pursuits and challenges and creative problem solving and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the last group are called idealists, which are the intuitive feeling type, which make up the vast majority of your membership, I'm sure. Um, having been a former member of NCDA and also a career counselor for many, 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 many years, um, the idealists are only about 17% of the population but I bet they're 80% of career counselors. <laughs> it really kind of proves out the concept of do what you are. You know, we gravitate to things that make the best use of who we are. So temperament being the core of a person's type is an important thing to feed, right? It's an important thing to feed your temperament. Um, if you're a, a lot of people, for example, a lot of first responders are experiencers. And one of the reasons is because it's a spontaneous job where you have to react to situations that are not planned. Everything is different. You've got to, if you're scraping somebody off the pavement to be of course about it, you want somebody who's cool, calm, collected, 
not worried about who this person is and their family and how, how their kids are going to feel about this, like we are, or a counselor would do, would do. They've got to be right there in the moment doing the job, right? Um, so there's a reason why those people, about 27% of the population are experiencing, but they might be 80% of first responders. There's a reason why that happened, which all bears out uh, upon the whole notion of, of uh, do what you are. Um, so temperament is an important piece. The second piece has to do with kind of the hierarchy of our type functions. And what that means is every type has got what we call a dominant, an auxiliary, a third, and a fourth function, meaning the most important to least important parts of that type. And in this, in this kind of little podcast, we don't have really a chance to, to dive too deep, but just to say that for example, uh, my type is an extrovert, intuitive, feeling, perceiving type, or ENFP. And there's probably a lot of ENFPs that are listening to this. The most important thing about my type, our type, is our dominant intuition, right? That's number one. So we see possibilities everywhere. We connect the dots. We like the new and different. We're engaged by all that kind of stuff. So that's really important because that's our lead function, our dominant function. So whatever job we've got, it's got to feed that dominant function, right? If I was stuck in a room doing accounting work by myself, it would not be a pretty sight. <laughs> it would really drive me nuts or drive all the people around me nuts. So knowing that, what my lead, what my dominant is, allows me to go out and, and be more successful and find the things that are, are comfortable for me. Um, the third part is type development. And this is really interesting because this is a developmental model, even though people do have a preference for one side or the other, as I talked about before, um, as we grow, we develop different, uh, more access to our different parts of our personality. And there's a whole sequence to that, that that's pretty accurate. Um, one of the things that's, um, for example, the, the dominant and the auxiliary, the things that are come naturally to us, um, we don't really have to think about. It's important to use those parts of our personality. So again, using my example as an ENFP, my dominant is intuition and my auxiliary is feeling. So that makes me an intuitive feeling type, which makes me a person who wants to help people, be perceptive about them, understand, you know, want to understand human nature. How can I um, help them develop their potential? All that kind of good stuff. Um, but every type has got its least developed, or they call it the inferior function as well which is the opposite of the dominant. And that's the part that's pretty unconscious. And um, when you're using that, it really kind of bites you in the butt. So for people like me, that's sensing the specifics, the details, the facts, you know, um, taking, taking out of the picture possibilities or, poss you know, or creativity. It's just being very, you know, specific, routine, factual. And just as your dominant will energize you, your inferior will drain your energy. So going back to the formula, what we discovered very early on is the, the best career matches come when it's your, your career choice is in sync with your temperament and with um, allows you to use your greatest gifts, which is the, you know, your hierarchy and takes into account where you are in your life. So there's a difference between a 40-year-old ENFP and a 20-year-old ENFP, um, but they're still ENFPs. So I hope that gives you sort of a, a snapshot anyway in the, in the limited time we've got.
Yeah, no, that's really, really wonderful. Thank you. And um, it's great to get a better understanding of the hierarchies and how each piece plays a role and has an impact. Uh, in in understanding um, that personality type is um, a wonderful tool to look at career matches. Um, I think you alluded to that also it helps with even how you attack the job search process, like like customizing it maybe based on your personality type, how you would um, network or apply for applications or do informational interviews. Um, can you expand on that at all, that using personality type to customize uh, the best approach for individuals? in their career search or their sure. job search rather? Sure. I think, I think you're right that, that um, one of the main um, applications, great applications is understanding what kind of work is going to give you fulfillment, most fulfillment and satisfaction, which is of great value, but we are who we are. And every type has got its strengths and its potential blind spots. And they call blind spots that for a reason, because we don't see them. Um, and that's true for relationships. It's true for, um, you know, uh, uh, activities we do, and certainly true in a job search context. So there are certain people, you know, extroverts, for example, who are much more naturally outgoing. Um, they see, and especially as they're extrovert and intuitive, they see possibilities everywhere. You know, I could go to Starbucks and I make 20 connections. I make a lot of connections to Starbucks. For, that, for networking, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm wired to be a good networker. But there are people who are wired just op in the opposite way. So, for example, introvert sensing types, they don't stop and look at somebody and say, hey, that's a great sweater. Uh, what are you doing today? Uh, have you ever thought about this? They, they just don't do it. It's not a critique. It's not a criticism. It's just a fact, right? So um, when, when people are able to bring their own personality into the job search, they're able to capitalize on their strengths and they're able to minimize their blind spots. Another way to look at that is interviewing. Um, I can't speak exactly to what's happening interviewing right now because so much of the world has changed and so much of it is online and virtual and some of it, you know, screening, screening um, devices means a lot of people never even get to talk to a human being. But if you're in a situation where you're actually talking to another human being, you know, either face-to-face -face or even on Zoom, um, how you come across is very important. So, Extroverts have a natural advantage over introverts because if you've got a finite period of time, you know, extroverts think out loud. If you don't know what extroverts thinking, you haven't been listening because we'll tell you. But if you don't know what an introvert's thinking, you haven't asked the question and waited long enough for an answer. So let's say the extrovert goes into a meeting, into an interview, and they say, so I saw you did this at this company. Tell me about it. I'm going to be happy to tell you all about it. I'm going to just start spewing and some of the stuff will be good, some of it won't, it won't be that edited, but it will be fluid, right? But if I ask an introvert that question, there'll almost always be a pause. And they're going to take their time and they'll be more thoughtful, which is a good quality, but it eats up a lot of time, right? And right. if the interviewer is an extrovert and we all want people to be like us, there's another <laughs> dynamic at play here, then they might think, you know, this person really is too slow or they're not with it enough or they haven't thought about it. So it's important for, for interviewers to understand this stuff as well. And many of them do now. So if an introvert is prepared beforehand, 
you know what? We know pretty much what the questions are going to be in most interviews, right? So if they think about them, um, so they're not hearing for the first time, they practice them, then when what comes out of their mouth when they ask the question is much more comfortable and much more natural. So those are ways, just one example with sensing with extroversion and introversion, that knowing your type preferences can help you in a job search, both in your outreach, how you approach other people, how you network, how you don't network, you network as in large groups, you network with one or two people, um, 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 how, how you interact with folks, the quality of those interactions, um, and how you interview. So those are some, I think, practical applications of understanding personality type. That is so important because storytelling is so important in an interview. And so it seems that we should really emphasize to our clients or students who are introverts to to prepare those stories. And it might not be as natural, perhaps. I'm thinking it might not be as natural for an introvert to to prepare stories or to... um, to really be as adapt at storytelling. I mean, of course, I'm making a generalization, but but I'm, I'm thinking that might be the case. It might be easier for an extrovert sure. um, to be a good storyteller. Well, I think I think extra introverts can be fabulous storytellers, but I think the difference is um, if they have a chance to think about those stories. You know, most writers are introverts. So a lot of you know great 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 writers are great storytellers, but they're sitting at their computer, they're writing it out, they're thinking about it. Could be a week, a day, a month, a year, 10 years to write something. So my point, I guess, is that um, extroverts are more natural, spontaneous storytellers, whereas introverts can be great storytellers if they think about it beforehand. Yeah, that's that's really terrific. Yeah, thank you. That's um, really important um, for our listeners. Thank you. And um, many of our listeners... um, do work in higher ed. And as we've been discussing, personality type discovery is such a great tool um, for everyone, and and we can use it for undergraduates and graduate students. And we also have NCDA members who work in other settings, such as in private practice, workforce development, and business. And as we've all seen with the great resignation during the pandemic, many workers have reconsidered their work, their life, their values, what they're willing to do as far as work goes. So for career practitioners working in these other settings, how can personality type also help individuals who want to make a career pivot or transition? Um, my thoughts are that individuals who want to pivot careers may have been missing um, certain career satisfiers um, that you outline in your book. Um, and that maybe was um, some of the reasons why they ultimately decided to resign. Sure. No, I think, I think let, me, let me back into the resignation piece by, bringing, by speaking to the career satisfiers. One of, one of the key features, I think, of Do What You Are and key discoveries for us when, when we were writing the book is there really are, and we list 10, that's an arbitrary number, there might be five for some people or 20 for other people, but 10 career satisfiers, things that people need, and if they get those things satisfied, um, they're going to have a much more fulfilling experience. Um, it's not meant that all 10 of these are going to be true for every person, but um, what we found over the years with many, 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 many people who have brought this book and responded to us, um, that they can usually find five or six that are really important to them. So I'll just give you a concrete example, if that's okay. 
Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. So I'll, use, I'll use my type as an ENFP, an extrovert, intuitive, feeling, perceiving type. And some of the things that are really important to people like me are working with a, a diverse group of people, fun, creative people that are engaging. In other words, people like me, because we, <laughs> we all want people to be like us. Um, it's very important because I'm an intuitive feeling type for me to believe in the work I'm doing, the mission. I couldn't be working, even if I was doing, let's say I was in advertising. I might love advertising, but I couldn't work for a tobacco company if I didn't believe in smoking. I'd be doing the same job for a cause I believed in and and thriving in that job, but I couldn't do the same job if the mission is something I didn't support. So that's important. I think it's very important for me to use my gifts of creativity because that's a big part of ENFPs. Um, It's important not to have too many rules and too much structure so I can can, uh, go with the flow. Um, and to have a lot of variety and a lot of action. Those are the things that if I looked at my own list, I'd say, mm, those five, if I get a job that's got those five, I'm going to be a happy camper. And if you're a happy camper, you're probably going to be more successful at the job too, right? Right. So I'll contrast that just for illustrative purposes with an ISTJ, introvert, sensing, thinking, judging type, an opposite type. So for them, some of the things that might be really important is to be able to use their gifts for being factual, detail-oriented, structured. Um, They're very prepared. They're very concrete. Um, They like working in an environment where they know, have clear expectations. This is my job. I know what to expect. I can work at my own pace. At the end of the day, I've accomplished something. It went from this basket to that basket, (laughs) um, which is is very important. Um, I think that um, having tangible results for a practical purpose. This is, I don't want to work, ISTJs do not want to work in, or don't often work in, in um, fields where there's a lot of theoretical stuff. They like practical, real stuff that happens. Um, and where they have a lot of time to prepare and a lot of independence. So you can see they're really opposite lists of career satisfiers because we are opposite types of people. So that's the kind of magic, what, what I would characterize the magic of the idea of career satisfiers. And I think they're really important. Um, To get to your point about the great resignation, um, I have to say that when this whole pandemic started, before everyone started quitting their jobs, my intuition told me there's gonna be a lot of that going on. And a a lot of it um, among people like us, and I'll say us meaning intuitive feeling types, is because we are such meaning of life people. You know, we're we're the wanderers, the seekers, the wanderers, you know, the wanderers, you know, um, and we get to a point where we go, you know, look, I see people dying. I see people getting sick. I see life is changing. Um, I've been in this career for 30 years. Is this all there is? And a lot of us said, no, it's not all there is. There's got to be more. And I want to have more meaning in my life. Um, so I think that um, a lot of those folks decided, besides the concerns, safety concerns and health concerns, um, is I want to do something that that has more meaning and things that I might have gotten into earlier on that might have been satisfying, somewhat satisfying. It's like, I'm not willing to do that for another 20 years. I'm willing to, I want to try something different. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Completely. Um, Thank you. Um, Actually, it makes me think of that, um, chapter in your book called Encore, um, which is um, 
a chapter I read that uh, actually is how we originally got connected because uh, um, because I also um, completed an encore program with the University of Connecticut, and so did one of the individuals described as a traditionalist in the encore chapter. Um, so um, just circling back to the um, dominant and auxiliary and um, um, other functions in in this part of life, say, um, when people might be looking at um, second acts, as it's sometimes called, what role would you say type development at this stage in life with the development of the third function, um, how that could come into play in deciding on second acts? Yeah, that, that is a great question, Melinda. And um, I think I've got a pretty good answer to it. <laughs> we'll try it out, we'll see. You know, the, the whole type development comes out of the work of Carl Jung. In fact, personality type is the brainchild of Carl, Swiss psychologist Carl Jung. It's his theory. Isabel Myers and her mother created this assessment called the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, which really made Jung's theories, which are very complex and convoluted. Uh, they made those theories understandable when they created this assessment uh, and, and made them accessible to us. Um, but... One of, one of the uh, many, many contributions Jung made was to say that as we go through life, um, we develop an unconscious need for, for wholeness. And the wholeness comes when we start to, to unconsciously realize this journey is not going to go on forever, right? So that's the midlife piece. And unconsciously, again, we seek, we seek wholeness. And the wholeness comes from using the parts of our personality that we didn't use mostly in the first part of our life. So that's where your third and your fourth functions come in. Um, I give you a concrete example. Um, people that are, um, who are feeling types. Uh, well, I, I am a feeling type. And when I got to that point um, or close to that point, I all of a sudden developed a lot of interest in things that were very thinking or the law. There's not a lot of feeling in the law. It's very, very, it's very thinking kind of occupation. Um, I didn't know why. I, I did, was able to connect the dots after I thought about it. But people that are that are in their third function, they really start to do things um, that that access that function. For example, people that are very intuitive, all of a sudden they start doing sensing stuff. They start gardening or cooking or you know um, building things. Start using their hands, using their bodies as opposed to just their brains and their creativity. Uh, people that are um, people that are more um, sensing, you know, uh, become more interested in, in different things that they never thought of before. I have a brother who is a sensing feeling type, um, lovely man, <laughs> friends, grateful to have him in my life. And, you know, I've been doing this personality stuff for 40 years. It wasn't until a couple of years ago, he said, what, what is this stuff you're doing? Because it's a theory, it's an idea, it's not anything about his life. <laughs> and that's when he started going, well, you know, Thinking back to the way we were raised, do you think that mom and dad, blah, blah, blah? I, I came out of the womb thinking about that stuff. So we start to develop parts of our personality in this search, unconscious search for wholeness. Um, so those, those are some examples. Yeah, that's really wonderful to learn and I think can help a lot of our listeners because I think our listeners um, would be working with individuals who are um, either you know, resigned during the pandemic or, you know, just are in a certain age where they're, they're 
needing a change. So um, it's great to have that background. Thank you. Um, If I I can just add one more thing. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. You know, for people who have resources, and it's not everybody, it really is not everybody, but for people who do have resources and are very privileged and they're fortunate, um, this can be a great time to to start exploring passions, you know, their passion for something. So uh, a lot of people might be have, you know, describe themselves as, um, you know, I have the soul of an artist, but they never had a chance to express that because they have mortgages and pay, you know, kids put through college and parents now, now parents to, uh, to support and all that kind of stuff. But if they've got the resources, now, now is when a lot of that stuff comes out. They start painting, they start doing artsy stuff that they just never did before. So um, it's a way of, of really getting in touch with a different part of who you are uh, and evolving. And that's why I think the piece about type development is such a, such a one of the many gifts that, that Jung gave us. And you have shared some stories. Can can you, um, and I love hearing your stories. Can you share um, maybe a story that you received from a reader of Do What You Are and how the book helped them? Sure. Well, I've been very, as has Barbara and Kelly, been very gratified because we've heard from lots and lots of people over the years. I mean, a million books, and it's actually a lot more than a million books at this point. It's a lot of books. <laughs> it's a lot of impact and very, very grateful to these folks for, for that. Um, I will take early on the most impactful or most surprising and um, impactful letter we ever got was from a person who, and this is not typical, who claimed that we cured his cancer. <laughs> let, me, let me explain um, before anybody goes, oh, woo um, He went on to, and I don't, I don't purport to have cured anybody's cancer, but the point he was making was that he was doing so many things that were against who he was that he was getting sick. And, you know, the knee bones connected to the hip bone and, and uh, what we, what, how we feel and, you know, our emotions and anxiety and depression also that impacts our, our physicality, of course. And so he made a strong case that uh, when he discovered who he really was and started doing things that were more in sync with his personality, he, he was, he was able to be recovering. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not, uh, don't anybody call me to ask me to lay hands on them because it doesn't work that way. <laughs> but I, I would say that the, the most um, comments we've got was just that uh, a lot of light light bulbs went off. Um, there are something like 900 reviews on Amazon of Do What You Are. And there's a lot of stories in that in terms of, which is, you know, sometimes I just go read a few just to make myself feel better about my contribution. Um, but a lot of stories about how people were, were not in the place they needed to be. And once they discovered that, uh, their lives changed for the better. It is. I, I find it such an amazing tool and, um, yeah, uh, so helpful. So I, I'm so grateful. Um, unfortunately, I think um, we have to wrap up soon as much as I wish we could just keep going on. And you have provided our listeners with so many valuable valuable insights today. Um, is there one piece of advice you can give our listeners of career practitioners, even if it's something we already touched on today? Well, I, I would say that if you're a counselor who doesn't use personality type, I would encourage you to look into it because it's not the, it doesn't explain everything, but it really does explain a lot. Um, and I think it can help you become a more a successful counselor. I'm not saying anybody's not successful already, but an even more successful counselor, because um, it gives you an opportunity to really 
engage people that are different kinds of people in the ways that they need to be engaged. One of the other books we wrote called The Art of Speed Reading People, <clears throat> which is really all about that. It's everyone wants other people to be like them. And the more similar two, two people are, the easier the communication. The, the converse is also true. The more different we are, the more challenging the communication. So if I'm a counselor and I assess the person's personality, client's personality, uh, even before they walk into the room, I know a lot about them and I can help them uh, not only find what's uh, maybe a better option or a more fulfilling option, but I can engage them better. So I, I would encourage people to do that. That's wonderful. Thank you. Um, I know that our listeners are going to be so interested in learning more. Um, Can you share what you're currently working on and where our listeners can learn more about you? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for the opportunity for that. Yeah, you know, I've been doing personality type for a very long time. and As you mentioned earlier, I was a jury consultant for many years. But for the last five or six years, I've really been applying my my passion and my expertise um, in in the world of healthcare. And I think that um, what we've learned, I've done a lot, a lot of research, published studies with 50,000 um, subjects or peer-reviewed studies and, and published. And I've learned that personality type has great impact on people's health, uh, risk factors, um, smoking, um, exercise, weight, anxiety, depression, stress, all kinds of things, um, medication adherence, communication success with their, with their providers. Um, and about a year ago, I really turned my attention because of COVID to um, the whole notion of stress and created a tool called De-Stress Rx, which is de-stressrx.com. And what it is, is it's a tool that people can take this personal assessment, only takes about three minutes. It's validated assessment. And what it produces is what's called the De-Stress Rx for each of the 16 types which identifies eight um, stress triggers, things that are likely to stress you, eight stress symptoms, what it looks like when you get stressed, and eight stress strategies, things that are most likely, you'll, things you're actually most likely to do based on your personality type to reduce your stress. So I'm very excited about that. We just launched that recently about a month ago. Um, so I encourage people to check it out. It's de-stressrx.com. And I think that's the... Um, that's the stuff that I'm most most excited about. There's another company called Truity, T-R-U-I-T-Y, Truity.com. That is a great resource for personality type. I've written, I, I just found out today, actually, it's 16 different blogs on all kinds of subjects. And, and they've got, and I'm just one of many, many bloggers for them. So um, I would encourage people who are interested in type to check out Truity um, and read either some of my blogs and or some of the other ones. But it's it's good stuff. It's all, you know, solid, solid material because a lot of stuff on the internet that is just you know made up. But this is all real good stuff. So that's that, that, that's what I'm doing. That's a pretty busy, very very busy, and um, just that you have this information available at this critical time is. Uh, really great to know about, and I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that, and they'll s- spread the word on um, on that resource that you've created. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Well, I I think that wraps up our time today. This really has been wonderful, Paul, and uh, we appreciate all your time and all your insights and all the work that you've um, done for our community. So thank you. Well, thank you, Melinda. I really enjoyed talking with you and. 
you know, my heart is with career development and you know, helping people find work that's fulfilling. Uh, it's not all that common, but it's really, really important. It does. It makes all the difference. Absolutely. Thanks so much and, and good luck to all your members. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck to you. Thank you.